welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Kavita Tana. Kavita is guided by the famous philosophy accredited to Mahatma Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. Her mission is to connect with like-minded individuals who wish to empower learners through inspiring, interconnected, and globally-minded holistic education. Kavita is a master educator and creative designer of integrated curriculum units, weaving impactful learning experiences, well-being, curriculum standards, learning outcomes in state, IB, honors, and AP, and UN Sustainable Development Goals into unified experiences that restore joy to learning and teaching. She co-facilitates project-based learning workshops and coaching sessions, linking staff to learners, educators, and experts around the world. As the co-founder of Educational Rad School with Emily Post and Nick Salmon, Kavita helped launch Montana's first project-based experiential learning school built upon the values of kindness, acceptance, and peace, uncovered through her listening process. In webinars, workshops, and long-term partnerships, Kavita co-designs learning experiences and coaches educators with the roles they play in shaping the identities, attitudes, and behaviors of learners, offering practical ideas for supporting discovery, exploration, and meaning-making, building the foundations for global and intercultural-mindedness. Through her work as a passionate advocate and mentor for social, emotional, ethical intelligence and well-being integration in learning at all age levels, including parents, educators, and administrators, her vision is to see holistic well-being practices embedded into global competence education. Hi, Kavita. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, okay, so we have a lot to talk about. So let me get started. You were born in England, but your parents were born in East Africa. Can you tell me a little bit about how they met? It's an interesting story from what I read. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, both my parents were born in Uganda. Um, one was born in the city of Kampala, my mom, and one was born in Jinja. Mm-hmm. And... Um, what that meant was that my dad, he had a British passport and my mum's family did not have British um, passports. So when Idi Amin decided that um, he no longer wanted Indians living in uh, in the country of Uganda, mm-hmm. um, my dad had already left the country in 1968 to come to England um, under the auspices of studying to mm-hmm. become an accountant, although he actually made the decision to set up his own business. Oh, wow. um, okay. While my mum's family were still in um, Uganda in 1972, and my mum and her twin brother um, had refugee status because they didn't have um, a passport to speak of and so she found herself on a journey with her twin brother um, via Italy to Mm. um, America where she was very fortunate that um, both the Red Cross and a local church Mm -hmm. um, actually supported her and her twin brother to have accommodation and to find work and so my mom actually had work um, in Kmart and um, within three months was reunited with her other siblings and um, also her parents so there was a bit of a shaky time there for about six weeks where she didn't know where the rest of her family were and and yeah so and a 
another part of that story is that she had traveled some of that journey with some of her cousins mm-hmm. um who you know we're still very close to so right now my mum, who um she had eight siblings one passed away the one that was in india mm. another one that was in india um prior to all of this happening because that you know they'd three of them had been married off already so um one of them was um the eldest sister she's ended up in england now mm. another one um was you know remained in India um, but he's passed away and then another one was in India but she eventually made it to America with the rest of the siblings um and in terms of how my parents met um it was an arranged marriage where my mum's uncle was um considered like a marriage bureau Mm -hmm. and so he um sort of you know provided accommodation for my mum when she came over in 1976-77 from America and his best friend was my grandfather and um the two of them sort of decided that it was time for my mum and my dad to get married and they'd be a perfect match and uh yeah and that's 45 years ago so wow (laughs) and you're both and they're both still alive your parents are still yeah yeah and happily married and and yeah kind of i i've been laughing about it with my cousins because you know they're still at that icky stage of like hugs and kisses and I'm like, eh. <laughs> but, you know, oh, that's it's, awesome it's though. It's really lovely. That's yeah, awesome. It really is. And wow, what mm. a journey for both of them. Not so much, mm-hmm. I mean, your father went through some, you know, uh, you had to like leave as well, but your, your mother had to go through so much and such a, she must be a very strong person. And, you know, like to have to gone through, have gone through all of that and still like keep going, you know, and then and to have your family to leave, to have to leave your family, you know, just to make sure that you survive. That's incredible. Oh, my gosh. Yes. My mom is really a pillar of strength. Um, She she's a very, very practical woman, very, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like uh clear on how to move through the world so that Mm. everyone's looked after her love language is definitely making food Mm. um you know in that sense I should be the size of a house because (laughs) you know like I come home from travels and she's made my favorite dishes Mm. and you know so yeah so it's it's really yeah our our you know experience together is very much through you know how to keep house how to you know um make good food Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. also I would need to mention that um that's really what's kept my parents together that their their values are very much aligned towards family Mm. um 100 family comes first Mm -hmm. then their children and then everything else um and you know that's not to say that you know my brother or I ever suffered as a result you know Mm -hmm. because obviously we are part of the family Mm -hmm. but the extended family has played a very very big part um Mm in our lives and and so yeah so it's been interesting to sort of be away for several years um you know I lived in Beijing in China for four and a half years or so mm-hmm. um and then to come back and see how the family had changed because wow. two important pillars had passed away the year before I left um wow. so you know yeah. that's been somewhat of an adjustment especially with the pandemic mm-hmm. and you know like social distancing and all of that kind of thing but yeah. 
but my mom and my dad have stayed strong and and they continue to be a source of support and mm. and care and love for not only me and my brother and and you know sister-in-law and, and mm. nephew but also the wider family wow. so yeah that's awesome yeah. so i mean would you consider your childhood um a happy one and also was travel part of it when you mm. were growing up so yeah so I definitely would consider it a happy one. Um, you know, part of my journey, particularly in the last sort of 18 months or so post mm-hmm. the, the murder of George Floyd, where a lot of us have been thinking about our privilege and mm. what it means to be a woman of color in England and mm-hmm. then working in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been thinking about my financial privilege. Um, you know, I'd say that socioeconomic status you know, was definitely one of privilege, mm-hmm. um, not, you know, sort of wealthy by mm-hmm. any means, but not lacking in, in resources and, and, you know, sort of being able to have what we needed and, you know, three meals a day or right. more and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and in terms of travel, you know, we went to America every Easter holiday mm. um, up until the age of nine when uh-huh my paternal grandfather passed away here in England. Mm. And, um, and then we sort of went more sporadically after that. um, Because my maternal grandfather passed away in 20, uh, sorry, in 1993. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so, you know, like, sort of things changed. Um, But in terms of other holidays, there were just very local English holidays, you know, Mm. like, any listeners from England will know about Butlins and Pontins and these kind of holidays, <laughs> you know, like sort of camp-based um, type, yeah, type things. But, um, but yeah, you know, yeah. it was, we did go, you know, to a couple of different places in Europe. Um, and then the big trip was when we went to India when I was 15. Oh, wow. How was that? Yeah. We took a month off school and it uh-huh. was a really big deal because my mum had sort of, traveled through India so to speak she didn't really have any strong memories of her time there Uh um but her eldest brother as I mentioned earlier was there and he had polio which is why he decided not to travel abroad Mm -hmm. um but he um and my mom hadn't seen each other for 25 years at that point so that Mm -hmm. was a really big deal my dad had never been to India so that was a really big deal and obviously it was mine and my brother's first time also and so it was a really, really important trip. Yeah. Um, we covered a lot of ground. Um, we became particularly close to um, my mum's brother's family mm. and mm-hmm. to my dad's cousin that mm-hmm. lived in Bombay. And um, my uncle and his family lived in Borbunder, which is on the coast. Mm-hmm. And um, and we also got to see my paternal grandmother's side of the family. And it was really on that trip that I got to understand, you know, how, how people live differently to mm-hmm. us, um, mm-hmm. what the levels of poverty really are in terms of thinking about Hans Rosling's work mm-hmm. um, and how he talks in Fatfulness about level one, two, three, and four, mm-hmm. and how most of us in the West are at level four. Um, but I got to see examples of level one, two and three in my own family, which was, mm. you know, something that I feel was very eye opening and, right. and very connected to the work that I do now. Right. Yeah. Um, and also to sort of see how it ma- material goods do not buy happiness. Mm-hmm. The level of happiness that 
was expressed, the welcome, the mm. generosity that we experienced from members of the family that mm -hmm. have dramatically less, you know, wealth, call it belongings than mm -hmm. we do, um, was just amazing to me because wow. really that's what it's about. They really had their priorities straight. Of, mm -hmm. It's not about how much we own. It's about what we have in our hearts mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the way that they showered us with love and, and attention and, yeah, it's just amazing to me that, wow. you know, we still live in a an overproduction, overconsumption society the way that we do and and wonder why we're not happy. And I, I really feel that I have, from that age, been keen to live a different life mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, you know, to really sort of focus on living a more sustainable life with less belongings and more relationships. Okay, I, I love that. So, okay, Kavita, I read that you were the child who often asked why about things. <laughs> what was it that made you curious as a child? Was it partly because of how your family had gone through so much experience, or was it just because of your, your upbringing? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I... I one of the observations that I'm making about young children, I, you know, I was an educator, so I was in the classroom um, from 2010 to 2019, mm -hmm. and I worked with young children. So um, initially with children sort of age 11 and under, and in my final year of work um, with um, children sort of between the ages of two and six or seven. Mm. Um and what I've noticed is that we are all curious, really, uh -huh. really, really curious when we're young. Uh -huh. And then something happens in the traditional schooling system mm. that quashes that natural curiosity. And I think I was fortunate that my dad cultivated that natural sense of curiosity that I had mm. um, in the sense of, you know, the routine was that... Um, my mom would be at home when my brother and I returned from school. Mm -hmm. um, and then my dad would arrive around six o'clock in the evening and we would watch the news together. And then as we're eating dinner, we'd be discussing what we, you know, learned on the news. And, ah. and, you know, and that's sort of like, well, why is it happening like that? And why are they saying things like that? And right. why did, you know, whatever uh -huh. good thing happened or bad thing happened, you know, uh -huh the questions were, were answered to the best of, you know, their ability mm. and their knowledge and understanding. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that meant that when I was going into school, I couldn't see any reason why I couldn't be asking my teachers the same questions, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and encouraging yeah. them to, you know, answer to their, the best of their ability. And, right. and, you know, obviously feeling like, you know, it wasn't really to be, um, defiant in any way mm -hmm. it was just that natural curiosity that we all come into the world with right. where we are wondering you know like about the world around us and mm -hmm. wanting to understand and and to make sense of it really because um, you know we all have very unique experiences mm -hmm. and so you know the value of life I think is in the learning it's mm -hmm. you know okay as I'm having these experiences how might I be present to them, mm -hmm. you know, to, mm -hmm. to live mindfully, which means to really be aware of what's happening, right. to focus in on what it actually means to me, and then to use the lessons that I'm learning from the, the different experiences in order to live a better life. And, and yeah. 
as we develop our own sense of self, we're mm-hmm. better able to, you know, support others and, and you know, cultivate their curiosity, right. um, you know, encourage them to, to work with us, to, to be problem solvers, make better decisions in the world. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I have serious concerns about the state of the world today. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. well, ha- has your curiosity increased or decreased as an adult? 100% increased. Cool. Um, okay. You know, I, I feel very fortunate that my life has led me to be able to explore the world and make new discoveries mm-hmm. and then to, um, to keep expanding my knowledge, you know. Mm-hmm. I, um, mm-hmm. I left. Um, England in 2015 because of a very difficult year in 2014 Mm. Um, you know I lost two of my closest relatives that year Mm. Um, and uh, you know um, and then also towards the end of the year my uncle in India passed away as well Mm. and then um, you know the light at the end of the tunnel was my nephew being born um, on the 12th of December but um, but after all the grief and and sort of feeling that I you know really wanted to live the best life I could possibly live, mm-hmm. I decided to pursue the dream that I'd always had of of living and working abroad. Mm-hmm. And so when I um, was successful in the interview to get a job in China, mm-hmm. I took the leap, and it was absolutely terrifying. But mm-hmm. um, but it was my curiosity that gave me the courage to to take that leap and and to. Huh. you know, discover, discover again, a different way of living in another part of Asia. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I feel very fortunate that I was able to visit as many countries there wow. as I, as I was and to, uh-huh. um, you know, even to return to Europe and explore many other countries, including England and Scotland and Ireland, wow. um, you know, during the holidays. So, uh-huh. Oh, so, yeah, so wonderful. I've been racking up the number of countries I've visited over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though, because, you know, your curiosity um, was the motivating factor and not fear, you know, not yes. fear of the unknown, which most people yes. would be like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. But, you know, the fact that your curiosity increase has you know like has never really decreased I mean if anything like you said it's increased um or it's never mm-hmm. really stopped so it it motivated you to just say well you know what let's see how everybody else lives <laughs> you know it would be and it's yes. a great way to really create what you've created you know which is um we'll get to next but so my other question is so I read that you initially wanted to become a barrister then you went into retail ba- mm-hmm. banking, retail banking briefly, and then education. Um, but what attracted you initially to be to want to become a barrister? So what I've learned recently is that um, for me, education is a social justice issue, uh-huh. and you know, inevitably. Yeah the law is is to do with justice and advocacy mm-hmm. and so what I've been discovering about myself um, is that I've always had a really clear sense of fairness and and what I understand that to be mm-hmm. and to really sort of think about this idea of okay you know if if we accept that, you know, objectivity is not really a thing, right? Mm, you know, mm-hmm. like we we are always having our own personal experience. Mm-hmm. However, you know, certain um, behaviors, certain, you know, ways of being in the world mm-hmm. are not conducive to um, 
all of us feeling safe, secure and supported, you know. Mm -hmm. And so how might we support those of us that are feeling unable to advocate for ourselves right. simply because you know we we all have a different gift you know that we mm -hmm. bring into the world we mm -hmm. all have a different skill set that we choose to develop and right. so in that sense you know is it you know fair to expect someone whose passion is you know to be connected with nature you know to be whatever whatever that role might be mm -hmm. to then you know have to face you know this this overwhelming prospect of understanding the law because someone has accused them of something or you know a mistake mm -hmm. has been made in some way I, d right. I don't know like I don't feel like that that's realistic right mm -hmm. and so that's where you know a, a lawyer solicitor you know barrister comes in mm -hmm. you know that is passionate about understanding the law understanding you know how to advocate for oneself how right. to yeah. how to sort of you know support that that process and mm -hmm. unfortunately I do feel that you know, society has overcomplicated, you know, the, yeah. the paths for advocacy. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that is something that I think, you know, different people are passionate about. And, and when I was younger, mm -hmm. I was, you know, actually inspired by the likes of Perry Mason. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. These yep. kind of shows that, that mm -hmm. my mom used to enjoy watching, mm -hmm. you know, to think, oh, I'd become a barrister. But, you know, the more I looked into it and the more I realised that, you know, you are expected in the profession to defend the client as though you don't have an opinion mm. I was like mm, I'm yeah. not sure I can morally do this you know uh, like my ethics are yeah. too high and uh -huh. and I just yeah I really struggled with that expectation uh -huh. and so um so I actually ended up studying politics um at university and and at that time um learning more about the European Parliament and um the, yeah, the you know what it means to be part of the European Union and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that's no longer the case for mm -hmm. England, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, at that yeah. time, um, that huh. was something that I was curious about. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so let's get into it. You are the creator of Globally Reconnect. What mm -hmm. is Globally Reconnect about, and what prompted you to create it? Mm. So Globally Reconnect is the limited company that I um, registered here in England last April. Mm -hmm. And um, the motivation behind it was a sense um, within myself that I have something to offer the world. And I didn't really know at that point what exactly the services would be that I would be offering. Mm -hmm. um, but I had been experimenting alongside others um, what it might mean to be a coach or a consultant with schools, mm. um, you know, sort of working alongside school leaders mm -hmm. and um, teams of educators and individual educators to really think about, you know, things that are important. So, for example, what does it mean to be holistically well? Mm. What does it mean to... Um, you know, align our teaching and learning practices with social justice? Uh -huh. What does it mean to think about the world's greatest needs as perhaps expressed by the um, Sustainable Development Goals? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really think about, well, what difference can I make? You know, so mm. one of my friends talks about teaspoons of change, you know, and so what small steps can we as individuals take to, um, to really create change in the world? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, so, you know, as I was exploring these different things, I started to realize that actually there really isn't enough focus on the self and too much focus in schools to jump on the bandwagon of let's save the world. And I'm mm. like, well, 
I'm not sure that that's the narrative that I agree with. I don't really think that we need to save the world in mm. the sense of, you know, understanding the world as a social construct. We don't even really need to save the planet. The planet will be fine. Mm. You know, it's humans mm. that are that are suffering at the moment. And so when I started to think about what do I understand is the cause of that suffering, mm-hmm. um, particularly, you know, all of these you know, thinking processes happening in a, in the global pandemic, I mm-hmm. started to realize that it was the social disconnect that was causing a lot of the problems. Uh-huh. Um, and technology has allowed us to connect with people around the world. Yeah. And so, you know, I felt very connected to the global sort of, you know, uh, population so mm-hmm. globally you know part of the name is you know because of that because of how connected I feel you know especially now that I'm connected to people on six of the seven continents you know mm-hmm. and I have a friend that actually takes people to Antarctica as well so mm-hmm. so I felt wow. very globally connected and so then my aspiration became for all of us to reconnect globally to ourselves so holistically to ourselves globally to others you know um outside of our our space you know mm-hmm. our our locality and then also to our deeper sense of self meaning our integrity mm-hmm. um to you know to really align what we say with what we do to mm-hmm. to say what we mean mean what we say not be mean about it you know mm-hmm. so all of these kind of thoughts and ideas were, were sort of emerging. So I decided to distill it in, you know, in this company that I've called Globally Reconnect with mm-hmm. the values of trust, freedom and responsibility. And also um, to write the the vision based on a conversation that I had with a, with a friend of mine that I call Unk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when he asked me, what's my WIFM? because I'd been sharing some of my passion around educator well-being. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, this all sounds great, but yeah. what's your, you know, what's your WIFM? What's in it for you? And I just blurted out, I can't live in a world of angry people anymore. Huh. And when huh. I thought about sort of twisting that into a more positive statement, it uh-huh. became, I want to co-create a harmonious world. Mm-hmm. in which all living systems can flourish and so that became my my vision for globally reconnect wow. so yeah so huh. that's the story of of the creation mm-hmm. oh wow okay and and i actually went on your site and it listed the three principles that you just mentioned um what do these terms mean to you and how do they apply to education though mm-hmm. so Right now, um, you know, m- the majority of my work is with with schools and, and you know, sort of education. Mm-hmm. The original intention was to offer three levels of service. Um, and so the first one is um, around trust and what it means to trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt that the best things in my life have happened when I've trusted my intuition and mm-hmm. conversely, so the worst things happened when I didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I really want to sort of, um, encourage all of us to really get better, mm-hmm. at slowing down and listening to that voice within us that we can trust that really does know what's best for us. Um, and really understanding what that means because, um, you know, I I have a set of spiritual beliefs. I'm not religious, but I I do believe that there is something greater than what we've been able to name that that lives through all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and that you know if we can get better at trusting that at trusting you know that that inner voice so to speak that um that can guide us towards who we're really meant to be mm-hmm. um then then you know we we can be better in the world and there's lots of tools and frameworks out there that have been created by some wonderful people mm-hmm. that can support us in that journey and so I've sort of been gathering some of these tools and and frameworks to support my own journey. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is to be able to support individuals um, more on their journey as well. So that's the first one. Uh Mm -hmm. And then the second one is around freedom. Um, A lot of people have said to me that they believe that relationships, particularly marriage, are um, traps, are cages, are you know, there, there's that phrase, you know, oh, the ball and chain uh-huh. in reference uh-huh. to, you know, the wife kind of thing. Yep. And my experience is that actually when we've done the work to trust ourselves and we can show up more authentically in our relationships, we can actually experience freedom in, in those relationships. We can actually mm. experience a greater sense of who we are by showing up with others authentically, but also being vulnerable enough and courageous enough to share our stories, our feelings, our, you know, sort of ideas about the world with others. Mm -hmm. Because in doing so, we find more similarities and differences. And we find support to create change that we might want to solve problems that we might be experiencing, to really, you know, co-create that harmonious world in which all living systems can flourish. Mm -hmm. And so that has now become um, a stronger arm of of Globally Reconnect, um, because I've actually employed um, a young man, Sam Samson, um, in Kenya, mm-hmm. and he's actually going to be leading the work um, for Globally Reconnect in Africa. Wow. Um, so initially, he's a project manager in Kenya, but his aspiration is to become the operations director um, across Africa as, as the entire continent, huh. um, where we are co-creating sustainable communities with members of the community. So mm-hmm. we're actually beginning that work in a um, you, you know, a pastoral community in southern Kenya, mm-hmm. which is made up of approximately 200 households. We're working most closely currently with 98 of those households wow. to really think about what does it mean to create a sustainable community, mm-hmm. understanding that, you know, we need to meet our basic human needs of access to clean water to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so we're now in partnership with the Engineers Without Borders out of Montana State University. And we are really cultivating relationships with the members of the community and other organizations that might support us to be really intentional about Mm -hmm. creating the infrastructure within these communities that Mm -hmm. build on the assets that already exist, because Mm -hmm. they are already a very strong community in terms of their pride, their relationships with each other, Mm -hmm. their willingness to support each other in, you know, in dreams, hopes, aspirations um, that each of the families have. Mm -hmm. um, And they need some external support, you know, to to um, learn about different ways of doing things to to, you know, learn about the best way to to create sustainable sources of um, water and food and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and education and so on. And so so, you know, sort of really building on our strengths Mm -hmm. and then um, moving ahead to sort of thinking about, okay, well, how do we use those strengths to, um, 
to continue learning and continue developing our community in a way that allows for freedom for mm-hmm. each individual to to be the best best human that they can be you know right. to um to continue to cultivate their personal gifts um in the world and right. you know pursue uh-huh. their passions and so on mm-hmm. so that's the second um element of globally reconnect and then the third one is integrity and so my experience in working with a number of different coaches and consultants in the world has been that not everyone is practicing what they're preaching and mm. not everyone is willing to put in the work to to be able to do that mm-hmm. and and so you know unfortunately there are a lot of schools in the world that are simply jumping on bandwagons amending their websites mm-hmm. saying all the right things but you right. walk through the corridors and you don't see it in practice you huh. don't see it um, you know, actually manifesting in the, the way that the students interact with you, in the mm-hmm. way that, you know, the teachers are interacting with each other, the way mm-hmm. that the school leaders are interacting with their teachers. And so, you know, really thinking about it as a bottom up, up, you know, sort of um, top down um, full realignment, mm-hmm. you know, having that mm-hmm. clarity of what are our values, what are our visions, our missions, how are we manifesting that in every individual in every you know wall surface in every way that we set up our classrooms Mm -hmm. in every way that um you know we interact with the community on our doorstep in Mm -hmm. every way that we um you know are really sort of making a footprint on planet earth Mm -hmm. how are we really in in total alignment with you know the way that we that we say we want to be Mm -hmm. um and you know that requires work it requires a lot of effort on everyone's part um and I'm discovering you know in my newest partnership with my um mentor Thompson Morrison that there is really a way of learning from the you know most I mean, the fastest developing industry that we're all aware of, the software industry, mm-hmm. um, to really think about, okay, how can we engage in fast iterative learning cycles in order to achieve the goals that we want to achieve? What does it mean to really be a learner? What mm-hmm. does it really mean to be a creative learner Mm -hmm. what does it mean to really unleash that creative genius that resides within all of us because Mm -hmm. you know being a genius is not an exclusive um, way of being of the few because actually geniuses are innate spirit and Mm -hmm. all of us have an innate spirit Mm -hmm. so how might we really you know live out the values that we hold the you know the visions that we have for the world in a purposeful way in a meaningful way and you know, really do that in a way that's going to create um, positive change, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. do it quickly because, right. you know, yeah, humanity needs us to act fast. And right. so, so, you know, that's my current sort of focus, you know, with Sam um, helping me to continue the working communities. Um, I'm really focused on how might we work with educators and leaders in 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 education Mm -hmm. to really see that you know our youth are getting the voice that they need Mm. um in order to create you know the change that the world needs Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's really the source of my passion at the moment i love that well so do you see a difference in how people value trust and relationships in the u.s or other western countries as as compared to how it is in in developing countries yeah, so 
it's an interesting sort of term to talk about developing countries. So, mm. you know, there's there's um there's a lot of work that's being done about how to talk about different parts of the world mm-hmm. and and right now it that word, you know, if we talk about it in in terms of a value set, I would say that there's greater development and greater understanding and deeper understanding in countries that have been traditionally called developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I say that is because when we're thinking about um, what's really important, mm-hmm. you know, and, and beginning with the family structure, right. beginning with, you know, what, what is happening in our own homes, right. I'd say that there's greater, um, greater uh, value alignment and you know consideration of the importance of people being together mm-hmm. and supporting each other in mm-hmm. some of the um, countries that I'm working in Africa for example mm-hmm. on the other hand you know I might say that there's terrible things happening in those countries right. but it turns out that those terrible things are also happening in the so-called developed countries yeah. and so yeah. it's really difficult to sort of know where to begin when it comes to this trust and freedom in relationships mm-hmm. like I can't say that there's any one nation state that's doing it universally mm-hmm. well yet okay. um, <laughs> you know it really feels like it really is about individual experiences and you know and And that's why I'm so keen to sort of have these conversations and encourage people to have these conversations within their own homes, you know, and Mm -hmm. to really be thinking about, okay, how do I engage my children, um, young, teenage and, Mm. you know, adult children to really remain in that relationship where we trust each other enough to be honest with each other, to be authentic, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to have that freedom within our relationships to share when we're, you know, feeling, experiencing discontent or disconnection or, you know, just that sense of dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. And then to work together to, you know, improve that situation, you know, to be able to move forward together Mm -hmm. to really live in that more harmonious world, you know. I love that. So has it, I mean, in terms of open, uh, this type of communication, um, what has your experience been in terms of this type of communication in different countries, in other countries outside of, you know, the Western countries? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, we began that journey um, with a group of young Kenyan um, friends of ours, um, I'd say must be coming up to 18 months ago now. Uh-huh. And we recently asked them, why do you continue to show up every mm. week? Uh-huh. Why do you continue to um, engage with us and, and, you know, be in conversation with us? Uh-huh. And some of their insights were really profound. Um, you know, and it really came down to a sense of safety, a mm. sense of um, security and a sense of support, which, you know, these are three terms that are used in um, the Australian um, early years uh, pr- framework, which is um, named belonging, being and becoming. Mm. And I think that these three words really sum up, you know, how we move through the world, right? Like mm-hmm. we're all looking for that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. We are all being, you know, by being alive, we're, right. we're being. And then we're constantly in a state of becoming as we evolve, right? Because none of us can remain in the status quo unless perhaps 
we just kind of, you know, never get out of bed in the morning. Mm, you know? mm-hmm, and yeah. so, um, so, you know, in those relationships, we're looking for safety where we know that we can, um, you know, say, say exactly how we're feeling. And they, you know, they often laugh with us to say that before we met all of you, mm-hmm. if someone asked us how we were feeling, mm-hmm. it was a doctor, you know, uh-huh. trying to diagnose some, oh, some health wow. condition, you know. Uh-huh. And and so that was a really big step change for them that, you know, we were genuinely curious about uh, their emotional state, you know. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing in terms of security is that we are, they can rely on us. They can rely on us to be there every week. Mm-hmm. They can rely on us to share, you know, any guiding wisdom that we might have. They can rely on us to listen to them, mm-hmm. deeply listen to them and to to validate and affirm you know how they're seeing the world and how they're understanding the world or you know to to offer an alternative um you know sort of um insight Mm -hmm. but most of the Mm -hmm. time what happens is that rather than it being an alternative we we enter into a um an exchange of you know, sort of building on each other, you know, mm-hmm. so whatever the first person had thought, you mm-hmm. know, had, had come into the space with, right. they're, they're, they are fundamentally transformed when they leave the, leave the space, you know, wow. and it's because all of us are fundamentally transformed because we've been adding on to each other's ideas, right. you know, it's very much yeah. a yes and protocol, you know, uh-huh. and, um, and then there's the idea of support. You know, and whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, emotional support, mm-hmm. physical support, financial support, you know, like they've all been able to rely on us that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we can do within our means, we're going to be there for them. And wow. we're going to, you know, we're going to support um, all of their endeavors, you know, because mm-hmm. all of them are very much aware that they have come into this world with a gift and that their role is to support others in the world. Mm-hmm. And each mm-hmm. one of them, are very 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 generous with Mm. both their time and their you know physical presence and their 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 vision and you know their their ideas for how um you know in this case kenya can come up in the world Mm -hmm. and i've experienced the same thing with the friends i've made in uganda one Mm. of which is from tanzania Mm -hmm. um you know another of our friends is actually from um uh, Morocco, um, another, you know, from um, Nigeria. Mm. We've got we've got so many friends in in the continent of Africa. It's it's really been amazing to sort of learn from their yeah. experiences. Yeah. And one of my closest relationships is with someone from Zimbabwe, and mm. he he really has been such a source of inspiration and learning for me. And um, yeah, it's just it's really wonderful to be able to be so connected with people from different cultures mm-hmm. and then to remain connected with friends from China mm-hmm. and from other parts of the world that, you know, as expats are also there yeah. um, in the Caribbean and, and the US and, and other parts of the world. Wow. So, yeah, so it's, you know, the, the global incredible. perspective is, um, is, is, yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's really incredible. Like, you know, you've, you have created all these relationships and sustained them all because you're coming from a place of authenticity and trust and freedom, which is really amazing. Um, Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so has the pandemic affected the work you're doing with Globally Reconnect? Well, Globally Reconnect was born out of the pandemic. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) So it's continued to, um, to, you know, sort of... uh, 
be, be operated online mm -hmm. and um you know i'm very excited about the fact that you know we are actually going to australia um mm. to to actually meet some of those people in real life oh, um, cool. and you know to to attend a conference um, and well, to not just attend, to speak at a conference and to now actually organize a second conference as well. Wow. Um, and so that's going to be amazing. Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, so to be able to sort of be out there for two and a half months doing the work face to face, um, I will still need to continue some of my online commitments with schools in China and mm -hmm. um, in America. But, um, but for now, you know, the, the main focus of my time is to to ensure that I make the most out of being there physically in Australia. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, subsequent to that, we have the exciting trip where my parents will return to Uganda for the first time oh, um, since wow. they left. So it's a 50 years um, oh you know, later trip to... Uh -huh to Uganda and then I'll get to meet my team in Kenya and um, also some other school leaders in Tanzania so oh wow so, that's yeah, wild so an that's so cool yeah yeah oh so an exciting four and a half months ahead <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful oh wow yeah okay so is there someone you would credit for where you are now or people so I would <laughs> always want to put my parents first mm. and foremost for everything mm -hmm. um you know they really have shaped who I am mm -hmm. and and you know like I really I really will always appreciate that you know mm -hmm. um and then you know I would say that I would also credit you know particular extended family members you know some uncles and some aunts that mm -hmm. that have really sort of influenced who I am and and yeah, you know, my way of thinking and putting family first and mm -hmm. what it means to be in relationship and, you know, understanding that relationships come first. Mm. Um, and then in terms of sort of, you know, the negative experiences, you know, because we learn from those as well, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise they just become sort of, you know, the, sh the, the sort of burdens that we have to carry on our back, mm -hmm. right? But, mm -hmm. you know, if we can actually learn from some of those negative experiences, um, then we can move forward in life and be stronger and bolder and, and braver, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so um, and so, you know, there are there are people that have shown me how I don't want to be in the world, mm. how I how I, you know, really don't want to um, to to run my business mm -hmm. to, you know, how I don't want to interact with people, mm -hmm. um, you know. And so so, you know, I. I want to sort of obviously, you know, be more grateful for the things that I want in my life because, you know, the power of gratitude, you know, cause cause these things into our lives. Mm -hmm. But I also do have to acknowledge that I have put in the work to learn from those negative experiences um, mm -hmm. yeah. and, you know, and to, to, to try and do my best to, to manifest in a way that that is positive, you know, for, for everyone around me. That's yeah. awesome. So do you have any personal goals and what are they? Mm -mm. Well, it's interesting because um, I think it was about six months ago now, someone said to me, oh, you know, if you start a school, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking that I was like, do I actually want to open a school or, or a learning community for myself? Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, my my partner, he actually owns some land through his family um in in the US and and we sort of talked about 
you know, what would happen if we were to create a, a sustainable centre for living and learning mm. um, in, you know, in a beautiful part of, of the country? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what would what would happen if that really became our focus, you know? Right. That, yeah. Okay, you know, let's put a time frame on it of, say, eight years, for mm-hmm. example, and, you know, and that's what we're working towards. And, mm. and I'm quite attracted to this idea um, with the intention that, that I would be putting in place a manager of the of the place, you know, mm-hmm. so that I would be the founder, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, that would come and visit on a regular basis, but not permanently fixed there, because mm-hmm. I don't want to be fixed to a one place. Mm-hmm. That's that's not my not my intention in the world. I'd like to constantly be on the move. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to to cultivate the culture and to to really create a sense of, you know, real community where everyone has ownership and, mm-hmm. and you know, like they trust each other, have that freedom that I've talked about, that integrity to, you know, keep true to, to the initial values and vision that we would co-create to, yeah. to really be a safe haven for people, you know, somewhere uh-huh. where people can go and live, to learn, to, to you know, to be joyful, to... Mm you know, to maybe find love, you mm-hmm, know, um, mm-hmm. love for self, love for others. Um, but yeah, just, you know, a really beautiful place in the world. Um, mm. And, you know, I have a friend of mine that he he and, he and, he and his partner sort of uh, support couples, you know, mm-hmm. they, they offer sort of couples therapy, if you like, um, mm-hmm. on their farm. And, um, and, you know, these kind of places, I think, you know, are a refuge for mm-hmm. people that, that I think, you know, we need more of. Mm-hmm. at the moment because you know the pandemic has scarred a lot of us and and I think you know we do need somewhere to go yeah. to, to heal and um I love yeah that. I think I think that that would be quite amazing oh I love that and what are your goals for globally reconnect and the community you're involved in mm, I mean honestly if globally reconnect becomes something of its own you know that like Mm -hmm. I'll always be there as as the so-called leader as Mm -hmm. the so-called founder but but you know if it really was to expand into something where you know each member of the team each member you know every person that's associated with it understands what the intention is Mm -hmm. and you know is going out and living it and and co-creating it with others Mm -hmm. you know that that would be amazing to me Mm. um you know I really I really do want it to stand for something but you know not necessarily be tied to me you know for it to be a movement really you know something that that others resonate with and that you know that we all sort of come together and share resources and and support each other to to see it manifest, I you know? I love that. I love that. Mm. So if anyone wanted to know more about Globally Reconnect, um, especially young people, how would they go about it? So I would love to hear from people um, directly. So my email address is kavita, K-A-V-I-T-A, at globallyreconnect.org. Um, and, you know, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um Looking at my website, globallyreconnect.org, you know, that has a contact form on there as well. But, you know, the LinkedIn and, and my website would be the main places, I would say, that um, that people can find me and, and learn a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I do need to invest some more time in my website and, you know, update it with all the different things that we're up to. But, mm-hmm. 
you know, right now I'm in the doing rather than yeah. the <laughs> sort of recording. Of yeah, you're, you're but, a little um, busy. <laughs> you're a yeah, little busy. Yeah, yeah. Things, things. There's a, there's a lot going on. But, yeah. But yeah, maybe you know that will be something that I'll do on some of these flights that I've got <laughs> <laughs> You'll have some time on the flights. There you go. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, is there anything you would like to say to the listeners regarding globally reconnect? Well. You know, honestly, come and join us. Mm. If you, you know, if anything that I've said has resonated with you, you know, please do reach out. Please do, um, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's let's, you know, think about what what your gifts are, mm-hmm. you know, to, in the world and and see how we might find a place for that. Um, you know, collaboration, you know, is really an important part of the way that I'm moving through the world and. And I feel very fortunate to be connected to yourself and mm-hmm. to so many other people, you know, to mm-hmm. our mutual friend, Karen, who's yeah. doing some amazing work, work, you yeah. know, around, you know, the, um, you know, death and, and what it means to, to remember our loved ones. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, so I just really, really would love to hear from people, especially young people, mm-hmm. as, you know, we think about the world that you're living in today mm-hmm. and what the world might look like in the future, because we can't continue doing the things that we've been doing. Right. You know, we yeah. can, we can, we're already understanding that the impact of that is negative. And yeah. so let's create change together and, and, you know, follow that, that sort of phrase that's accredited to Mahatma Gandhi, let's be the change that we mm. wish to see in the world. I love that. Love that quote. If you had, so Kavita, if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? I really wish that I had been strong enough to to follow my my desire to, you know, sort of live and work in the world when I was, you know, that that mm. younger age of 15 and then again at 18 and mm-hmm. then again at 21, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I waited quite some time and and, you know, I, I definitely don't regret being there for my uncle when he was diagnosed with cancer. I definitely don't regret, you know, like being there, you know, when my brother got married, things mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. I do wish that I'd, um, you know, sort of explored more of the world and understood more about, you know, the the cultures and the, the, the way of living and uh, being in the world that I understand now and have mm-hmm. experienced now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everything happens at the time that it's meant to happen. Yeah. and. And I, I really believe that, you know, I needed to go through the life experiences that I've been through um, because they've made me stronger, right. um, you know, and, and it means that I am in the position that I'm in, you know, to, to do what I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and another big passion of mine is to advocate more for women. And, yeah. you know, so obviously being on your podcast is, mm-hmm. is a really key part of that. And, you know, unfortunately, women are still being treated in ways that are just wrong you know there's Mm -hmm. just no other way of putting it and and so one of my more recent partnerships with um a a a really powerful inspiring woman andrea um who i'm hoping will actually be another guest of yours Mm -hmm. um you know working with her and and thinking about girls being first Mm -hmm. you know and and putting you know girls needs first and what that might mean for Uh, the world you know when mm-hmm. when the traditional paradigm has been to put the needs of men first yeah particularly in the context of what's just happened in in oh, america yes. you know oh yes it's, um it feels very very important to be you know supporting um causes like that and right. so so yeah i appreciate mm-hmm. that okay and my last question is if you could go back in time what would you tell your younger self 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I when I was thinking about how I would answer that question, I really felt very emotional, mm. very very emotional. I, you know, my younger self, bless her, like really had so many insecurities, so many, you know, like wonderings about why do I feel so different to everyone mm. else, you know, mm-hmm. and. And so I'd want to reassure her that, you know, the differences that you have mm-hmm. are actually what the world needs. Yeah. The way that you see the world and desire, you know, the, the greater authenticity, mm-hmm. desire, you know, people to be more clear on, on what they're saying and, and how they're saying it and why they're saying it. You know, your desire to experience freedom in relationships. Mm-hmm is all totally valid and totally what the world needs and mm-hmm. you know don't keep questioning yourself you know that yeah. that level of doubt that i had yeah mm-hmm. you know like it it got in the way <laughs> and so i'd really want to encourage her to keep the faith and to to really sort of you know know that you're going to end up being a really strong um, powerful woman that you know inspires others to create the change that, that the world wow. needs and and yeah you know oh. that's that's really what I'd want to tell her <laughs> I love that and you you are that you know you you have been that probably not knowing so when you were younger but it's always been there right and and you also have a foundation of having your parents, especially your mother, who your mom, who is such a strong person and who's had to go through so much. And and I guess, you know, from my perspective, it's it's like looking at someone who's already gone through so much and then that built you up, you know, over the years. You may not have known that when you were younger, but it's obviously out now. <laughs> it's obviously <Yes>. there. <laughs> and yes, it's, it, and, and I love that. And you are, I, I'm listening to your story and I'm just like, I'm smiling because I'm like, gosh, you know, this, this woman is really incredible. And, and I love how you are in the world, you know, how you are being in the world, because you are inspiring so many to just be who are their most authentic selves, as well as, you know, like, and, and making sure that they are heard and and they can hear others so thank you for that thank you very much thank oh you for gosh. saying all of that it means a lot <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no thank i i thank you for coming on and and just you know sharing with us your story and your passion and your mission um for people and and especially in countries that so need it right now, <laughs> you know, um, and, and the people in it. So I, I thank you so much for that. And please keep me posted with the work you're doing and the travels that you're doing. And, um, you know, if you need anything, just let me know. Um, but I will definitely keep, you know, keep following up with you. Um, but, you. oh, my you. gosh. Well, thank you. And, and with that, I will speak with you soon all right take it easy thank you so much take care bye-bye that's our show for today i've posted more information about kavita tana on revwoman.com thank you for listening and i hope you'll tune in every thursday for another episode of revolutionary woman you can listen to revolutionary woman on apple spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts 
just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. <laughs>